What's up, guys? It's Mike and Mark from LRMOnline.com bringing you another LRM TV podcast. Uh, This week we're going to kind of get caught up since we've been gone for two weeks. Uh, Both Mark and I had uh, emergencies we had to attend to and couldn't really get coordinated on meeting up together, so we apologize for that. But we're going to get you guys all caught up on Gotham, Flash, Arrow, Legends, Little WWE, and some other shows we've been watching and getting you guys caught up. Um, And then since this is being posted on Thanksgiving Day, we thought we would end this show off with a... uh, little thankfulness or what we're you know thankful in the tv film comic-con world that we we live in now in 2016 so um getting right into it uh the show of gotham um so in my opinion these past two weeks have kind of dipped until uh this past monday's Mm -hmm. um episode i thought the 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 storyline with Barnes kind of ended on a on a flat note, but then came back and picked up um, this past week where the the Court of Owls really start in the in the Carmine Falcone family start to come back into play. So it was a transition, but the the spoiler of it all made it seem like the Jarvis Tetch. Uh, Mad Hatter storyline is still continuing, like that Mad City mm-hmm. plotline, because we get the the end result of this. We get um, uh, Mario Falcone. Um, dis- we discover that he has actually uh, been infected, or I don't know. Do you think he's infected, or does he have the blood himself? Um, yeah, I cu- I couldn't quite figure out because I know that Alice was obviously born with the blood. I feel right. like he he has it somehow. Yeah. Um, Especially because even though it seemed kind of just by chance at the beginning of the um, episode this past week, um, you know, Carmine Falcone was talking about to Lee about, you know, like about Barnes and what do they know about it. And it seemed like just basic conversation, you know, asking if there there was a cure when at the end you think about it, it ties back together like Carmine knows that Mario has this, right? Whatever it is, you know, he he is very much aware of it. How it all connects yet, I'm not sure. Um, I completely agree with you, though. I I was, <clears throat> you know, I'm an advocate for Gotham, but the Commissioner Barnes storyline, I just didn't think was necessary. Um, yeah, I know it's going to kind of advance what is happening now. But I, I feel like that could have even been done briefly, right? Like, oh, yes, you know, Barnes has this. And so we see in, like, one episode what he's capable of, and then, boom, transfer over. You know, I, I think if right. it would have kind of been the Jervis Tech uh, storyline and then maybe, like, one episode of Barnes and then over. But it was just it just seems so dragged out and unnecessary right yeah i agree and, that like that barnes um uh gordon like standoff the entire episode you know where it just dragged on you, you we all know that gordon is not gonna die so right like, like in those type of scenarios as a as a writer you know um like i i would assume that you know they understand that the majority of the audience is going to understand that there's no way, no how Gordon's dying in this scenario. So no. why drag it out for an entire episode? Why not, you know, start diving more into other things? You know, we could have it could have been introduced a little bit more with the um, 
Court of Owls instead of just mm-hmm. having the Bruce and Selena and Ivy running around, you know, with a key, right. we could have gone a little bit probably more in that. So yeah, I thought that was a, a kind of a waste of an episode, you know, the, the filler episode. And what was sad about it, it was supposed to be that climatic end to Barnes's commissioner run, and it just yeah, fell it flat. seemed like eh, it, yeah, it was all right with him screaming at the end or whatever. But no, I thought this week was really picked up. Yeah. Um I I thought that all of the um the different storylines that were were going on were strong um and made me interested in all of them. <laughs> um you know, and it wasn't just like Jim Gordon being framed for something anymore. Um I I think it's got potential if they do it right. You know, um what what I kind of get the idea of is that somehow the court of owls is going to be intertwined into all of the plots that are going on right now. I feel like, um, I feel like there's, I mean, there's obviously the tie to Carmine and, um, Mario, which will bring in aspects of like Jim Gordon. Um, I think the court of owls will get to, um, the penguin Nigma storyline too, because if you remember a couple episodes back, um, uh, Penguin actually had a conversation with Catherine from right. the Court of Owls saying that they had been watching him for a while. So I feel like all of these kind of separate plots that we have right now are eventually going to have like a, the common denominator of the Court of Owls somehow. Yeah, and I mean, it seems like, like you said, the Court of Owls has a hand in every single thing, mm-hmm. storyline that's going on from Falcone to... Um, to what you're calling I was it, a, Bruce and Selena. Bruce and, then, and Selena. Uh, that's right. I was mm-hmm. thinking like Bruce, Selena, Ivy with the the key, um, and then the that group that tried to recruit Bruce to help them out to to fight. Oh, the Whisper Gang. Yeah, the Whisper Gang. You know that that ended really yeah. abruptly. I mean, Talon basically killed all of them off, and so. Um, well, that was even interesting in itself with that gang. You know, because yeah. I just figured it was the Court of Owls. And then come out, it comes out. It isn't, and then, but now we know that there's this, this safe somewhere, right? That so, <clears throat> you know, then makes us wonder what's in that. But um, more importantly, I think for me too is that they're starting to change the Enigma Penguin storyline too. Like that seemed like that was dragging on forever as well. Like the political, like you know, is Cobblepot, you know, gay, whatever, which is fine, but, like, it just seemed to drag. Well, where... I, I, I'm definitely starting to like it now since Barbara finally figured it out. Oh, yeah. And how she's going to expose that uh, with Butch and everything. So, like, I, like I was with you. I, I, I didn't understand the, the twist to that, and I didn't see where it was going till right when you see Barbara's eyes light up and say, Oh yeah, I, I I figure this all out, and I'm gonna burn mm-hmm. you know Penguin for it. So it seems well. Like, not only that, but the way she said it too, she's like, if we want control, we don't have to be in a war. We just have to start a war. Like, exactly. And there were so many twists in this one. So even like the whole Tabitha Butch, you know, like with her hand getting chopped off. Right. Like I didn't really see that coming at first, and then not only that, but when Butch was trying to save her, he's like, yeah, that's right. I I killed Isabella. I shot her in the head, and right then that realization, like. Nigma knew, wait a second, this 
This doesn't this make isn't, sense. This was this wasn't Butch, and so you know I kind of felt for a while that <clears throat> we had talked about it and that Penguin was going to kill Isabella or have her killed, and then this will drive a huge wedge wedge between there's once Enigma finds out. Then I actually think if they do it right, it's going to get really good because you have Penguin and Nigma, who are two of the best actors in the series, but then also are the most manipulative and you, you, it, difficult to read the sincerity of what they're saying and right. what they're doing. And I think that's going to really kind of blow wide open. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really intrigued to see the, the Nigma storyline because he's always been so far in this series kind of the the secondary character, mm-hmm. and this and and I've never really been a Riddler fan except for um, the times that he's been on the Batman animated series. There wasn't ever mm-hmm. really a Batman storyline in the comics that I really can look back on and say that was a great Riddler you know, storyline, right. it's always been, you know, uh, B, B minus type storyline. Sure. And yeah. So this is the first time that I'm actually excited to see like a Riddler focus type, um, you know, that it's, that he should be at the forefront, that this is the, this is the time where you see Riddler become Riddler, Nigma become Nigma, because, you know, when the show was originated out of, you know, the concept of Bruce being a young boy and Gordon take, you know, rising up through the ranks that we would only see glimpses of how the villains would become villains. But then that got scrapped. And, you know, at the end of season one, going into season two, it's like, look, we're going to push it forward and see, you know, these characters become the main villains during this time. So, even though we're going to mess with the timeline a little bit, you know, you'll be entertained. And so this is the one I'm kind of waiting for because it seems like Nigba's always been, you know, the, the behind the scenes character in, in, you know, as a character in the Batman's role gallery, he's always one step ahead of everybody, you know, yeah. with his, all his riddles and everything like that. So the, if it's saving for after the winter break, um, you know, going into the second half of the season, uh, I I think that it at least deserves you know at least three episodes um, to to gain um, oh, yeah. the status of Nigma being Nigma. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, yeah, it definitely picked up um, with those two, Penguin and Nigma, and seeing how it's going to develop. Yeah, and you know, I think it needed to as well because. Um... Gotham has such a divided group with, and you know, I, I understand a lot of people don't really necessarily enjoy it, but, um, the, the Barnes storyline wasn't helping the matter no, yeah, very that's much, I don't out. think. Yeah. And then, but this, like I said, you, you started to get some of the twists, um, and, and, <clears throat> you know, the kind of the different layers to characters, um, and I think it's going back in the right direction. I enjoyed when you had um, Carmine in the car with um, Catherine from the Court of Owls and they were exchanging threats back and forth. Right, I thought yeah. that was pretty awesome, like, you know, exuding their power. But then I thought it was interesting, too, because, well, how did the Court of Owls get Indian Hill? Well, it was actually um, uh, Falcone that got him that. He's like, the because Maroney wouldn't sell it or something like that. So I thought all of that was really 
cool to kind of see how a lot of that tied together. Yeah. And and then also you see Mario, who is more than what he seems, which is how he was in the comics as well. And so I, I want to see how, how that goes as well. So let me ask you this. You think Lee's dead now? Because Mario sees mm. Lee leaving Gordon's um, apartment and stuff. So basically, yeah. is that going to set it up for... A showdown between Gordon and, and Mario end up Lee dying. I don't know if Lee will die. I feel like Lee won't die, but I feel like he will. Uh, here's what I think is going to happen: is Jim is going to follow through on his intuition and see, and like Mario will threaten him again or something like that through a fit of rage, mm-hmm. or even like beat the crap out of him. He'll try and tell Lee, but Lee won't believe him. Sort of a situation, right? You know what I mean. And then I think Lee will get real. I don't know if she'll die, but I think she'll get really injured, or something will happen where she'll eventually have to realize that. But I think that'll happen probably closer to the end of the season. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm. So I'm. I'm still in the belief that Jim and Barbara Keene are going to end up together somehow, some way. Yes, but yeah, I, I. I I agree with that because even though he tries to deny it, there's still, it's his first love. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I could see it where like Lee's death sends him over the edge and, you know, not do that whole, like going rogue again, but it's kind of like you're in a, in a messed up city. So there's no really yeah. saving it type deal and everything. And and find finds comfort in what he knows sort right. of thing, which is Barbara. Yeah, and, and going back to that, and so, and I could see maybe the events of what goes on, like you know, Barbara trying to take over Gotham, being too much for her, and her kind of being put back in her place of, look, you know, you're not a, a criminal mastermind, you're not a you know a crime right. lord or anything. That. Go back to running your bar, and so, um, or you know, or maybe selling, you know, saving you know, Jim down the line and stuff like that. I don't think that this, that Barbara Keene will end up being the wife of Jim Gordon that we've come to know, um, during the Batman, early Batman era. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think that somehow, some way, like at the end of this run into this show that it will be, um, Jim and Barbara Keene getting back together. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I could see that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, definitely. Let's you know, let's keep it going in the the right direction, yeah. which I think it will be. Um, but yeah, it it kind of fell flat there with the the barn storyline, but then picked right back up with everything else that's going on with the Court of Owls. Uh, the Bruce storyline was kind of interesting. Um, but, yeah, you know, one of the more interesting ones I think so far. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Now, going on to getting caught up with The Flash. So, The Flash, to me, you and I, even though we haven't done our podcast, we've kind of been texting back and forth, you know, our thoughts about all the shows. And this was the one um, show that we kind of agreed on that has been kind of lackluster. It hasn't mm-hmm. lived up to the the potential it should be in the past couple, um, especially living off the hype from season one and then the first half of season two. We kind of all, you know, I think unanimously agree that the second half of season two um, fell flat and so yeah i think um you know the development from last week um you know we finally get a little bit more understanding of who alchemy is but then the reveal of savitar um and savitar being totally different than i think what anybody else was 
thinking because in the comic mm-hmm. book, Savitar is, um, you know, looks like a regular man, has long flowing hair yeah. and so forth, and kind of <clears throat> represents like a physical feature of a god, but not. You know, yeah, I was. Th- it looked more kind of Greek god. Yes, like yes. just larger and but yeah, but we got to yeah. transformer this go around as yeah uh, yeah. God. I was I was surprised by that. I was. Yeah, yeah, and it looked like Michael Bay had a hand in that, or without something. without a doubt. I mean, I, I I think Michael Bay ended up throwing some money towards the the budget because you have to think that the TV show budget is not that much. So to no. commit that yeah. much to a uh, speedster god that's going to be CGI, I mean, you're you're saving a lot of your your budget for the show every every week or every time he shows up for that moment right there. So, right, um, yeah. It's it's falling into. I think the show is falling into the cycle that it's, you know, trying to live up to the hype from how season one, um, just launched this show, and it's it's a tough task because season one was so great and the storyline was just so spot on. It was so just flash oriented, you know, and the and you saw the bear, you know, the struggles of Barry that is trying to recreate that and. You know, the hype going into a Flashpoint. Now I kind of understand that even though Flashpoint was a one episode story, the effects of Flashpoint has lasted a lot longer. And we're seeing those effects slowly but surely start to to pan out. And um, and so um, I I don't know. It's just I'm I'm hoping that it goes in the right direction from what... um, from what my friends have told me, who've already gotten a preview, or what I've you know, you know, I've read to about the preview of uh, the episode that's airing this week on Tuesday with um, Kevin Smith directing it uh, once again from last season, is that it, it picks up right back that like this was kind of a the past two three weeks were kind of a lull and then it just jumps right back into it. Um, Good. So, I mean, I I hope so. I I just you know. I want to give it the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, when Savitar showed up and he said, I'm the fastest, what do you say, the fastest man alive or the fastest speedster or something along those lines, I was like, oh gosh, here we go again. You know? Yeah. And I get it that the the, kind of the main premise of the Flash's main villains are going to be speedsters, um, but I'm kind of, uh, and this is where I was happy that they made it a CGI kind of you know, transformer type version of Savitar was that I could not have handled another person saying I'm a speedster. Cause I mean, there's just too many out there right, right now. Um, it's kind of like, you know, like what you're, you know, we've said with the complaints with, you know, arrow last season was that there was too many people on the team yep. and that the team just grew too big. I think that's what this shows, you know, was like, Oh, people love, you know, speedsters and people are go fast. Let's just put as many as we can on the show. And, that that hadn't worked out whatsoever right um so the alchemy storyline i think i've you know i've i've written in the reviews that i've kind of figured out i'm pretty sure because um the that alchemy is in is going to be julian um yeah somehow some way you know even though they like to throw like um you know special reveals on the show they're pretty much you know self-driven like you can they they don't try to hide anything out of it so 
Um, I think Julian will end up being alchemy, you know, and that's how he's able to get so much information about these per, uh, potential metahumans and stuff. Um, but mainly the, the biggest disappointment for this show for me, and I think this is the last time I've ever going to bring it up because I think, um, I think like two people had tweeted me saying that, that they got it, but, uh, that I need to just, the problem was never going to solve itself is that the lack of respect for the metahumans on this show, the throw, how many oh, throwaway yeah. metahumans there are, um, that basically the flavor of the week. Yeah. It is the flavor of the week or it's like the writers yeah. say, we need to fill 15 more minutes of this show. Okay. Let's go to the catalog. All right. Here's a metahuman in the DC universe. Let's, you know, put them in there really quick and throw them away. But I, I, I feel like if they're not careful, like not that there's not tons and tons of characters out there that they can choose from, but at the same time, you know, if, if Flash continues to be a success, I worry that they run the risk of burning through so many characters and there's so many metahumans that like, that then then what? You know what I mean? Does it, you know, I, yeah. I just feel like, they burn through them so quickly then you know they limit some of their options i guess yeah i mean that's and that's kind of been my complaint is that there's so many metahumans in the catalog that you can go to but ultimately you know you, you once you run out you run out then you got to start creating characters and that's that's difficult as is and you got to develop those characters and you got to come up with you know background stories and everything like that. so they got to be careful with it if they plan on the show going past five seasons they, they really mm -hmm. got to be careful with that yeah so, i agree yeah all right now the show that's really changed its its momentum from last season to this season it's it's like a breath of fresh air has been arrow um, oh yeah you know last time we picked up on it it was the end of the um uh um what's the main villain's uh, oh, not Prometheus. Uh, Tobias Church. Tobias Church, yeah, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, got so many notes in front of me, I can't find it. Um, but it was the end of Tobias Church's storyline, and we kind of got into Prometheus. So uh, the episodes that we missed out on, were, you know, we didn't talk about were, you know, kind of the, the beginnings of Prometheus playing games with, you know, oh, Oliver man. and the team, and the, the, the teaser of was Captain Lance, you know, Prometheus, but then we find out that, He's just drunk all the time, and somehow Prometheus snuck into his house and left the uh, the throwing star, mm -hmm. um, you know, in his possession and stuff. Um, so it's gotten people, you know, really excited about the show again, and I'm glad because you know you got to think about it. This was the the granddaddy of them all. This is the one that started it all, you know, to put this many superhero shows, you know, on TV. So you want Arrow to succeed, so. Um, the the funny thing about it is is that uh, to me it's like why why go to and do all those other things that they try to do in season uh, three and four when they should have just stuck with what worked in season one and two you know yep um, and it just shows that if you got something that's working go with it you know change it up a little bit but don't don't change up the whole show and everything so I'm really um, I'm really pleased with the direction it's going. So, and I really dig the the whole Prometheus storyline. Oh yeah, I think it's awesome. It's really intriguing. At first, I was like, eh, "Is this going to be kind of reflective of the Dark Archer from season one?" And in some ways, it is, but it is on 
purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, whereas I feel like with Flash, how we've kind of talked about how each one's a speedster, speedster, and they're the fastest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is on, it's reflective of that on purpose because it's going to tie a lot from season one and two together. Right. Um, and there's been some really good, like, for the articles uh, that I write, um, there's been some really good predictions that, that I've liked reading about um, <clears throat> as to who people think Prometheus is. And especially with the twist now where, um, you know, Artemis is Working pretty much, with, the, yeah. yeah, the the narc for um, Prometheus, for Prometheus yeah. which was really interesting because I, I didn't see that coming at all. Like, I thought at the end she was going to get attacked by Prometheus. And that also, I hadn't really thought about this, explains why when they were fighting on the subway or whatever, she didn't get seemed, killed. Yeah, he seemed to be... Holding back and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, holding back. Exactly. Um, you know, because that fight had to happen for one reason or another. But yeah, that didn't make sense how, you know, a 17-year-old or whatever um, <clears throat> could really hold her own against Prometheus. But now, obviously, it does. So, um, you know, there's been speculation that um, some people have written on that it's either... Um, was it? I, I'm gonna pronounce his name wrong. I'm sorry, but was it Malfay from season yeah. from season one? Which would be interesting because once again knows Oliver's background, knows about the book that his father gave him. Right? Would would he have any sort of reason to be upset with Oliver? Yep, because Shadow died. Right, and that he was probably looked at as Oliver's fault. Now, um. Another speculation is that, well, and that too could bring um, Slade Wilson back about being behind it all as well because right. Slade knew Malfay from the island, but then also his connection with Shadow. Um, I had another uh, individual on the who commented say that he thought that it was uh, Prometheus was actually Slade and that Artemis is Emily. Um, that wouldn't be. Cool. Or I'm sorry, Rose Wilson. Rose Wilson, yeah. um, who is Slade, one of the um, rap, Ravagers. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Um, you know, his daughter, which sounds cool and could be plausible as well. And I just, yeah, there seem to be like there could be a, a good number of plausible um, theories out of there, which you know, I thought was awesome. I, the thing that I just really enjoy about the series right now is the 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 twists and the connections are are shocking to me again. You yeah. Know? Oh, and I agree. The flashbacks yep. are are credible. I'm curious as to what's going on, and even some of the other plot lines that may have I thought at the beginning of the season was going to be boring, like Mayor Queen. I thought that was going to be pretty boring, but like even that, you know, how he's meeting with this Susan, right? The um the uh, reporter, right? She she's gonna she's gonna somehow throw him under the bus or be connected and all this. Yeah, somehow. eventually he's gonna get screwed over because if we've learned anything from this show is that Oliver can't hold a job for more than like three or four months because it's like you know once Moira dies and the Queen you know mm-hmm. consolidation you know transition powers over him he can't run the company so then they fire him and then you know they can't even run um uh any type of organization 
afterwards to 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 keep their identity a secret so you know it's eventually going to come out either that somehow some way he's going to screw up as mayor or this reporter is going to find out that he is the green arrow and that will be kind of his downfall um, well and don't forget she had that connection where she was meeting with the guy who had the um picture of oliver oh yeah when he right. was in russia and then not only that but i don't know if you like briefly caught it but when oliver came in on the last episode last week she said that she was in a, a twitter war with an investigative reporter from russia yeah like there, i mean that somehow she's going to connect all the constantine dots. kovar how however he's involved as well with oliver or else maybe even you know hey our mayor used to be in the russian mob you know what i mean right. like and that's going to be his downfall <clears throat> and right he's part of the bratva and stuff and you know that that would basically be it. Speaking of the um, Constantine Kovar in in the flashbacks, dude, how amazing has Dolph Lundgren been in these oh, flashbacks? Dolph's great, like, it, man. It makes been me, awesome. yeah, dude. Like I knew that he was a good actor and stuff, and like I've I've always enjoyed his characters that he's played in the movies and stuff. Um, but he is selling it like crazy, and I like I hope somehow some way. Kovar is still alive that they can use this character in the future because like that is the scene stealer like when they like I'm excited to go like to see the flashbacks now um especially like you know how we've seen Oliver kind of being kidnapped now by Kovar and you know being held hostage and everything like it seems like that they're they're match for match on that and so like, yeah I'm, I'm really pleased with the flashbacks this year they've really yeah, done a good job they, with it they they make sense and the last week's two is pretty interesting. Just how he talked about cover. I was talking about perspective, you yep. know, like he's like, well, you know, me being a monster is out of perspective. What about you, you know, snapping that guy's neck in jail just because other people told you to, like, why would they have an American on their side? Right. And he's like, you know, it's all about perspective. I was like, Ooh, that's, really interesting. And you also see too, that Kovar has, um, a bit more of a relationship um, with, uh, oh my gosh, I just forgot her name off the top of my head from season four in the flashbacks. Oh, the the Russian, the one that yeah. helped Oliver, you know, get the idol and, and stuff. Yes. Yeah, has, has the connection with her mom. Yep. Um, I can't think of it right now. I can't, I, so I didn't yeah, write it in my notes, so. It should be interesting. So, I don't know, I, I, that right now, Arrow, just, I think each week just is, great i don't think there's really been much of a like in between connector episode i feel like each one constantly has something new to offer which is why i liked it in the first place in seasons one and two right yeah i mean oh second. um so this show has it's I've noticed that, like, with um, with the way the storyline's playing out, the way the flashback's going out, is that this show is really starting to, like, be the, the full circle that the, the writers and, you know, executive producers, that you start to see that literally, like, it's all coming together. Um, so that's why I think, even though we're getting um, the 100th episode next week with the whole four-episode... Uh, um, tie-in super crossover event and stuff i really think that even though all the characters are somewhat coming back um i think the season finale of this season is going to kind of 
be a tearjerker in my eyes. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really seems like there's not going to be a good win. And it's, I think Oliver's kind of accepted that, that the, the whole aura about the green arrow and, you know, Oliver's mission to save the city, it, it's failed. And I think that's what yeah. it's going to end up being is that it, the, this mission to save star city is going to end up in some sort of failure. And so it's going to be, I'm looking forward to like how the season progresses more on. Um, and then just a quick couple notes. And this was uh, in our article I'll have posted up to tomorrow on Wednesday, but um, or on Wednesday is that um, I was at Heroes uh, and Villains Fan Fest in Atlanta and uh, they had David Ramsey, Laurel Cassidy, Willa Holland there. Basically the entire cast of Arrow Minus Stephen Amell, Stephen had to do. Um, he was there later on Saturday afternoon, but he wasn't there for the the panel discussion. And then um, uh, Paul Blackthorne and so forth. I mean, basically anybody who's been on uh, Flash, I mean Arrow, was at this event, and they were discussing, you know, how Flashpoint is going to have a bigger impact on the show. That a couple, you know, a couple of us were asking, you know with such an opportunity to kind of reset things and fix things that were, were broken from season to season, it was that, you know, why not use Flashpoint? And they said that it, you know, we'll still see lingering effects on the show. So for instance, one of the big storylines or that uh, Flashpoint had with uh, Arrow so far is that how Diggle's kid went from being a girl to a boy. Um, mm-hmm. And no one's even talked about it yet. And David Ramsey, you know, acknowledged that that sometimes on this show that they go from A to Z and just forget about you know everything in the middle. But we will find out that, or we will see that Diggle does find out about it in the crossover event that Barry confronts Diggle and mm-hmm. and basically explains. So you'll see kind of the repercussions out of all that. Um, and then. Also, she wouldn't confirm nor deny this, but we are going to see um, Katie Cassidy come back at some um, um, type of uh, version of Laurel Lance. All right, so moving on to the next show, and this show has started to become my favorite show so far. Um with uh, the season kicking off, and that'd be Legends of Tomorrow. Um, I think that it's finally found its footing um, as being a a parody show. I mean, the amount mm-hmm. of jokes that go on and everything, that, and the um, the cast uh, of this show has really found its its momentum. And you know, the past couple weeks, we've seen how the main villain being the Reverse Flash and Damian and Dark are now teaming up together. Um, ultimately, you know, seems to be the right combo for this show. You have a, a, a immortal villain and a speedster that can go through time. And that seems like those two, along with some others that are going to join, um, I know in the, in the future are going to basically be the, the best match for it. Um, so the, the standout though, to me, I don't know if, if you think about it, Mark, but, um, is the addition of, uh, Citizen Steel or just Steel as they call him. On yeah, the show I like him like a lot. Uh-huh. Um, how Nate has just become his own. You know, like he's really gelled, especially with Ray Palmer. Um, and you know, it, like I mentioned in the reviews, is that those two actors kind of just 
go right off each other. They kind of click really well. Um, so like I, I'm just, I think the the time periods they're choosing are the right ones. You know, the, when they went to the White House in the 1980s with uh, Ronald Reagan as president, and they did the the intro with the Top Gun mm. theme song and everything like that it was perfect. Yeah. I mean, this show is basically has accepted that. Look, we're not going to be the Flash. We're not going to be Arrow. We're going to be our own thing, and we're going to you know we're going to make fun of it at the same time, and we're going to use all the parodies uh, from time traveling that we can in it use all the you know geeky references with star wars star trek and everything and it's been something you know perfect out of it that's what i've started my opinions of have have changed too because you know i wasn't the biggest fan starting off and i think once i started to view it as like hey this you know obviously not the same tone as you know flash and air and all that but the fact that, like you said, now it's not really trying to be either. I think at one point it kind of was, and I, I couldn't really tell like what it was supposed to be. Was it supposed to be funny? Was it supposed to be, to, or, you know, the focus of it being like funny parody, or was it to be taken more seriously? And I think that's what I kind of struggled with with it as well. And now that, you know, it is, it's more, you know, fun and lighthearted and, um, yeah, I've you know I've I've enjoyed it much more over the past couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, like I was saying in the in my write up reviews is that with time travel shows, it's it's you know you got to be very careful with it, mm-hmm. you know, and because the, the the rules you have to follow and everything like that. And I think what they're doing, and it makes absolute sense, is they're following the playbook of Back to the Future, and you know, yeah. It's a time travel, you know, type concept, but we're not going to take ourselves that serious and everything. And, um, you know, there's a couple serious elements of it. Like, you know, the, the, the Professor Stein, you know, in this past episode is now getting images. His memories are being shifted and, you know, it's a new woman in his mind, not his, his wife. And he, I think it, I, I honestly think it ends up being his daughter, but some people believe that he ends up leaving his wife and finding a new love and all that kind of stuff. But and then we get the from two episodes ago we get the message from Barry that Professor Stein and Jackson um, here and it's about what happens in the future but they're not supposed to tell anybody because they weren't even supposed to hear it so um, what do you think that message is do you think we're we're set up for the the big DC universe war you know multiverse war or you think it's just something more or less at Eobard, Dawn, Reverse Flash has got conjured up for everyone. Um, I, I think really a lot of it was to set up for the um, the four-episode... Crossover um, event. Yeah, because, because I, I think that's the way, like how we've seen with Arrow, how... You know, there's going to be, um, you know, Oliver's mother and father are back, and then Slade is back, even though Slade's not dead, but, you know, Slade's back, and Laurel's back. And I feel like that's going to have something to do with time travel and the, um, and not only the time travel, but the uh, um, idea of the alternate universes, which speeds with reverse clash kind of. Flash can obviously get to as well. I think that's a smart way of him. He's going to start a lot of the reasoning for this crossover, I feel like. Okay. Yeah, I mean, in something 
that I, it just clicked with me. I think it's always been in the back of my mind. I just didn't really put two and two together. Is that remember that Gideon, the computer interface that's on the ship, is the same Gideon that was on season one of The Flash when Eobard was stuck on, um, you know, back in time and had to basically set Barry. Um, up as being the Flash and get him back to the future and stuff like that. So, when I was discussing it with a couple people was that had, you know, Berlanti and the other ex executive producers thought this all the way through to that or is this something that, you know, as time progressed, like, hey, let's put this in because we know that eventually Eobor will be on Legends of Tomorrow and this will be kind of the, the linking it to the all so that, if you think about it, you know, we're getting the, the completing the circle in season five of, you know, the Arrow universe. Could this, you know, what we're seeing now with Reverse Flash, could this be lead us to that point where we see Reverse Flash go back in time to kill Barry's mom? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think that'll be... Yeah, I, th I think that that connection is going to be really awesome. I want to see what they do with this this four show event. And I think they're going to do it well. Um, and I, I'm really excited for it just because like I said, this is you've never seen anything like this before. No, this is the first of its kind. And, yeah, and I think that um, you know, a, a lot of answers. Well, here's the thing. I think there will be a lot of answers um, with this, but I think even though there'll be answers, it's just going to lead to even more questions because there's going to be more things that are messed up or, you know, who, who knows what will happen because, I mean, you even see with Legends of Tomorrow, the group is so rogue that they end up not, like, screwing up the timeline, but they always get they always get into trouble wherever they're at. Right, you know, right? where Rip in season one always was the like the man of reason. Don't expose your powers, don't expose your powers. Now this season is just like, screw it. You know, when they see an opportunity, it's everyone, you know, jumping in into the fight and everything. Like that. And no matter what the time period is, whether it's the you know Japan feudal era or 1980s, they're going to expose themselves, you know, and have the people that are around them see that there are superheroes out there. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I'm excited. It threw me off a little bit at the end of last week, though, just because you had I I wasn't thinking about it, obviously, with this week being a holiday and because I knew Flash was new tonight, which I haven't seen yet. But, you know, um, Arrow jumped for, for their promo for next or was for the four episode event. Right. And then at the end of Legends, they, you know, um, Sarah comes by and says, you know, hey, we're um we got to go back you know, to 2016. Uh, yeah, we got to go back to 2016. Yeah, cuz our friends need help. So, I don't know. It, it'll it'll be it'll be good. It'll be yeah. interesting. It'll, like I said, it's the first of its kind, so I think it'll be really good. Yeah. All right. So, um I actually haven't gotten caught up on Supergirl yet, so I'm going to save that for next week's podcast cuz I I don't want to talk about old stuff and, you know, not be relevant or anything. So, once we get through and also it'll be right at the end of the the four-part crossover event, so we'll be able to recap all that. So, for those out there that are you know, wondering what do we, you know, why do we skip over Supergirl? It's not, you know, out of malice or anything. Like that it's just, um, little bit, you know, too little time, too too many shows to catch up on. And so, um, just really quickly, uh, 
kind of going over WWE uh, really quick. Um, we had a pay-per-view this past weekend, um, Raw versus SmackDown, um, that ended up kind of, you know, being, being lackluster. A yeah, being, <laughs> yeah, basically being done. And, you know... The the downside of it is that your main headline was Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. You know, Brock Lesnar not fighting on Raw, you know, on a consistent basis um, or ever, only saving himself for, you know, basically, you know, the pay-per-views. And then Bill Goldberg coming back and you know he's not going to fight um, anything, you know, on regular TV. So it's all pay-per-view for him. That match that had been hyped up for Survivor Series only lasted 90 seconds. That is something that you get when you pay for like UFC. And so to see Bill Goldberg, which was shocking because I think everybody thought that Brock Lesnar would win this one, um, win in literally 90 seconds was just just dumbfounded to me. I don't know. Um, the The direction that the WWE is going is, is in a rough era because there is not a superstar out there that is really taking the reins of this sh- either show to me and well, i just got finished watching smackdown and it was the ending was awful so yeah it's it's i feel bad for the mcmahons because it's like who do you put out there there's not one major superstar that i mean it really like the finn baylor era just kind of came and gone because of a, of a bad, just a freak injury um, and yep. that really screwed people over. Um, you know, like, I don't, I don't know where it is. It's sad. Um, because, you know, the, the show had so much promise, you know, not too long ago. And now you see, you know, you have, you know, Daniel Bryan having to retire, who was supposed to be the guy, um, you know, to take over as the the main event guy, but he's forced into retirement. A couple other other not main superstars, but B list guys that are either in recovery or can't get out of recovery. You know, um, like Tyson Kidd, and you know you don't know what's going to happen with him. But it seems like the guys that they have available just aren't getting it done. So, um, I guess. The the viewpoint is let's just go towards WrestleMania and just try to get everybody healthy for that, you know, because that's basically the main the main purpose of WWE is to put on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the only thing that's holding, to in my opinion, is the women's wrestling. Uh, so. Yeah, I I don't I I just I don't know if they're not listening to the fans. I I don't know. I mean, it's not like the McMahon fan was ever really listening to the fans in the first place, but they you know, this isn't this is common knowledge that they need to make some big changes and I felt like the brand split was the first way of leading towards that and they just still haven't followed through. Like it's just very cliche and like going through the motions i feel like right rather than actual entertainment (laughs) yeah and then well here's the kicker is too is that 
you know, after the match, it was announced that Goldberg's going to be in the Royal Rumble. So you've got to kind of assume Goldberg's going to win it or at least be one of the final two. So, right. you know, the the downside of the, the Royal Rumble was supposed to be something, you know, of a Yeah, I wish they wouldn't have announced it, though, because, yeah, yeah, that's usually where the big returns come from, whether it was, you know... Undertaker, you know, Kane or or something. Right, or even coming back from injuries, like when um, Cena came back from injury, and I don't know. They just, yeah, they seem to be, I don't know, doing their own thing, and it's just not working. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, we keep saying this after almost every pay-per-view or, you know, every week, hopefully it gets back on the right direction, but... You know, fan, it, the fan viewership has continued to go downhill, and then we had that one off week where it was the worst ratings in Raw history uh, post pay per view, and so yep. um, it's got to change directions fast because the the money they're pouring into this company is, you know, is they got to make a return. So, all right, wrapping up the show. Since this is on uh, being posted on Thanksgiving Day, all right, we're gonna. Kind of Mark and I are going to give our what we are thankful for um, going into you know um, this holiday. So the thing I am most thankful for is the in the wide world of comic book industry um, is the CW because without the CW we would not have the plethora of superhero shows that we have right now. So that literally. My Monday through Thursday night, I know exactly mm-hmm. what I'm doing from yep. 8 to 9 p.m. Um, and also, if it wasn't for the CW negotiating a deal to get Supergirl and, you know, and also having faith in Arrow and continuing that on um, and having this channel to not be a primetime network, but having a space for, you know, people that are into superheroes and into these type of shows go on i mean you think about it without the cw you wouldn't have had smallville you wouldn't have arrow you wouldn't have the flash legends tomorrow supergirl supergirl would have been a one and done season um series and that's it and so um i'm very appreciative of this channel because if it wasn't for them then who knows even marvel like we're would they have taken the gamble of putting their shows on Netflix if there wasn't a success of mm-hmm. Arrow and Flash that we've seen on CW? So um, that and then just the the other thing I'm thankful for is the amount of people that we've met at these comic uh, book conventions mm-hmm. that we've covered this year and how many people are just so supportive of the website and um, – and, you know, everyone that we talk to and interview has been, you know, I've, this has been a great year of interviews for everyone here at LRM Online. So, um, you know, I definitely appreciate all that. Um, Mark, what are you most you know, thankful for? I have to go just with the, the, just the amazing diehard fans that are all out there, whether it's the, you know, the Comic Cons we've attended, which are so awesome. Everybody's in such a good mood. At, right. at all the cons we've been to, you know, it's just, it's such a cool experience. Um, and not only that, but just the support, um, just for the industry in itself, you know, I mean, the fan base for all these shows, like for instance, you know, 
people didn't give up on Arrow, for instance, after seasons three and four. Like some did, and that's fine. You know, that's a choice. But like, yeah, people still stuck with it, and now we're getting another like awesome season that we've been hoping for. You know, so through the the ups and the downs, and you know, you see that in the in the comic book industry in general. You know, there was a time my dad always talks about where you know comics all were on the verge of almost going extinct you know yeah and then came back around so just just the amazing fan fan base that's out there and who supports you know um just supports us and and the the shows so that um we can continue to you know watch and take part in what we love right right on i, I mean i definitely agree with that you know Without the fans, we wouldn't have any of this at all. So um, that kind of wraps things up for us. You know, we we got a big uh, week coming up next week uh, after Thanksgiving. The big four-part um, crossover tie-in, the first in TV history that I'm aware of, of having four television mm-hmm. shows, you know, kind of correlate one massive storyline together. Um, and then we're going to get caught up on all the other shows that we've kind of left behind and, you know, now that we're, we're back in action, um, heading into the holiday season, uh, we'll start reviewing some of the other, uh, things that are coming out, um, on Netflix and cause Netflix is now starting up their mid season shows and so forth. Um, that's it for us from L, uh, Mike and Mark on LRM TV podcast. Make sure you check out our other podcast shows, uh, Comic Uno, who posts her weekly show um, online on, on the website, going over all the big news in the film and television industry and gives her uh, great insight in the comic world, of what she's reading, what she's watching. Also, make sure you check out uh, the Los Fanboys podcast, where it's Mario, Joseph, and Kelvin basically covering all the major scoop news that, that's out there and giving their thoughts on um, the entertainment industry as a whole. And then uh, the Weekend Warrior with Edward Douglas who posts his film reviews on Wednesdays and gives you all the great insight and great interviews from uh, all the mainstream films that are coming out in the theaters and also all uh, some independent films that he's checked out that he uh, thinks are worthy to check out. So... Um, we now have a new podcast uh, starting up. It's kicking off this week, actually. Um, the Grid Nine panel uh, podcast with Emmanuel and Chase. Um, they are covering comics as a whole. Um, each week, they dive into different aspects of the comic book industry, whether it's uh, what to pick up or um, some of the. Uh, best storylines that are out there right now. So make sure you check out all those great uh, podcasts that are out there, and, and also check out the website on a daily basis. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter, which uh, newsletter which comes out daily and gives you all of the up to date news stories that are posted of the day, um, so that you don't miss a thing in the uh, comic book entertainment industry. That's it from Mike and Mark today. Make sure you check us out later. See you. See you.